welcome to John Graves Kayak Fishing here on Anchor FM. If you were to ask me what are the two most important things about throwing a crankbait, I would tell you, attitude and confidence. Attitude being the most important. Because when your confidence level starts to go down, and we know what that does to all of us, that go-to lure, it's just dragging us down a long day with no bites. How is your attitude holding up? Hmm? Do you have that KVD attitude? I love watching Kevin Van Dam fish. If he loses a big one, he just stands right back up and slings that lure like it never happened. Meanwhile, we're all just grabbing our guts and wrenching and the cameraman is bummed because he didn't get the shot. Fans out there on the decks of their boats are rolled up in the fetal position. But not King Kong. He just stands there with an attitude like a bear during the salmon spawn. It's absolutely always positive. I must catch more fish. I believe Kevin Van Dam's a cyborg. We're here today on John Graves Kayak Fishing. I have a little attitude adjustment for you, okay? As of right now, you and me, we are going to become better crankbait anglers. Are you ready? It's a commitment. Welcome to John Graves Kayak Fishing here on Anchor FM. Beautiful southwestern Ohio morning. Wow, the blue sky is just gorgeous. I love that hue of blue. And those uh, nasty biting flies are just about to come out here in about four or five hours. So I'm getting early morning. It's about 745 in the morning. We just woke the ponies up here at the Rock and Star Ranch and life is good, but that 100% humidity is going to be really knocking things out. Certainly helps those tomato plants grow, keep them watered, hydrate, or die. You know, very few of us have the ability to go out and uh, spend a couple hundred dollars on crankbaits. You know, we want to get one style, you want to get it in all the colors and all of the depths and all of the patterns and all of the flavors and all of that good stuff. If you're like me, you can just only pick a few out because you got that Bass Pro Shop card or that Cabela gift card for your birthday or Christmas. And on that tight budget of like 25, 50, or maybe if you're lucky, 100 bucks, you know. You got a Benjamin to spend. You can only go in there and you grab up your soft plastics, your, your terminal tackle, the hooks, the weights, the line, all that good stuff. And then we pick out a few lipped lures, and without really thinking about it, we just grab something, right? Maybe a crawl pattern or something in like a sexy shad. Who doesn't like a sexy shad, right? That's always the go-to. This had been my routine for quite a few years. Slowly, I build up my small army of crankbaits, but this is pretty difficult if you just can't go out there and just purchase all of them at the same time. Now, I've been able the past couple years to keep a few without losing them or busting them up. But, uh, you know, what you should be doing with a crankbait is just plain wearing it out. 
I believe a good crankbait, you know, when tossed the right way, if fished like it should be, has a shelf life of maybe a couple years. And at that point, the bill is just wore down or the paint wears off or you just slam it up against a bridge or a rock or something and crack it. You know, down there, it's mean and nasty. There's trees, docks, rocks, swing sets, frigidaires, washing machines, car doors, gravel, sand, and shipwrecks. You're tossing $8 down there. $8 and even more now. A lot of us are worried about sending that kind of a money lure into something mean and nasty like that. You know, we, we just paid for it. A lot of money. Don't want to lose that. But crankbait fishing, it's a slight commitment. You have to go where no others are willing to go and be willing to lose what others aren't willing to lose. This is about the fish and the furious. I mean, it's showtime. So stick around. Grab a tall glass of water or your favorite refreshment, maybe five of them. Hydrate or die. Because finally, friends, here on John Graves Kayak Fishing, almost one full year after starting this podcast on Anchor FM, I can finally and honestly say, I know what I'm talking about <laughs> when it comes to crankbaits. So stick around. Crankbait Johnny is going to share with you some things that I promise you by the end of this podcast, you will be on your way to catching more bass using crankbaits. Stick around. This episode of John Graves Kayak Fishing is sponsored by Hang Outdoors Custom Lures. You can find them easily on Facebook at Hang Outdoors or at hang slash outdoors dot square dot site. Get bent. Check them out. Hang Outdoors on Facebook. commercial was in my best announcer voice. Did you like that? I may start doing that more often, so uh, <laughs> be forewarned. That's a lot of fun. So let's just start from scratch when we're talking about crankbaits, okay? So the basic pattern types of crankbaits that you're generally looking at are your crawl patterns, your shad patterns, and then like a chartreuse look in there somewhere. There's also tiger stripes, and there's a lot of different customs and naturals like bluegills and, and uh, perch and all that kind of stuff. But let's just start with those three basic patterns, okay? The, the crawl, the shad, and the chartreuse. Now, you can use these patterns literally everywhere you go. If I were to pick only three due to a budget restraint, I would go with a red crawl a sexy shad, and then a chartreuse shad. There's three different types of lures in all depths you're interested in fishing. So 
like your deep divers would be like eight feet and then like way down there. Your medium divers would be around three foot to eight foot. And then my favorite, the shallows are like a one foot to three foot. So technically you would have already nine different lures, part of the, the, the commitment, nine different lures, three different types in each depth. So we're diving deep, we're diving medium, and we're diving shallow. We have the red crawl, we have the sexy shad, and we have the chartreuse um, shad in all of those depths. Now that's a good start. Now with all three of those depths, that requires a slightly different rod and reel setup. Yeah, again, that's part of the commitment. You know, like four years into this game, I started to figure that one out. I need more equipment. You know, like it's time to start searching for a pole sponsor. What does it take to make a halfway decent crank rod? I got there personally by a whole bunch of trial and error. I bought cheap rods at yard sales. I got rods from my sponsor, American Tackle Company. And I personally invested in what I would consider pretty expensive rods before I started to figure it all out. And what, for me, makes a great cranking stick. So get that one straight in your head. It's going to take a few different poles. Next time you watch a major pro tournament, you'll see 15 poles scattered about on those, the, the boats. I'm really grateful at this point, and it made a huge difference this past weekend, a tremendous difference. Big shout out to Yak Gadget for inviting me to join on the pro staff team. With the Yak Gadget Low Pro Crate that I'm now using, I can carry 12 rods easily on board my Hobie Pro Angler 14. 12 rods. Everything's covered. I'm not retying lures all the time. I swing around, I grab another combo, and I fling it. Each pole is rigged and ready for something of its very own. Thank you, Yak Gadget. Check them out, yakgadget.com. Okay, so I'll slow down a little bit more. You don't have to toss a lot of money at a fine crankbait rod and reel to get you set up. Again, you can find great ones at yard sales, and they work fantastic, but knowing what to look for is very key in saving you time and money and search for one. So let's start shallow, my favorite place. Find you a seven-foot medium with a fast tip. Boom, you're done. Look on the rod. Down near the hand or the butt of the rod, if you see seven foot, that's the length. The words medium is the strength, I would say, of the rod itself, for lack of a better term. And then the words fast action. Fast action meaning the sensitivity at the end of the tip. You want to be able to communicate down there with these 
crankbaits you're tossing. So you're looking at seven foot, medium, with a fast tip. Look for those words. Fast, medium, action. And if it's under 10 bucks, without cracks, has all the guides, the handle's in good shape, it feels comfortable to you, grab it. Some of my favorite rods are these types of finds. And if anything, you have a small arsenal of backups. The length is for casting. If you're kayak fishing, longer rods can sometimes not work so well with someone that's just starting out. But at seven foot works just great. That length gives you some leverage as well, supporting that parabolic bend of the rod while you're seated in that position. You're putting a lot of bend on that rod. Medium is for just a good general backbone and landing some bigger ones and pulling them out of the wood and, and where you're going to be going into the thick to fish for these things. And again, that fast tip is going to transmit a lot of information to you with its sensitivity. A heck of a lot more goes into the making of a fine custom rod. I'm not the one to explain those particulars, but I would say those nuances are going to develop as you continue to fine-tune yourself with your chosen equipment. Now, if you just want to go brand new and on the cheap and need a couple combos under 120 bucks or so, one of my favorite less expensive rod and reel setups is the Black Max Abu Garcia Vigilante 2.0. It costs around 60 bucks or so, and it has remained one of my favorite combos and I carry three of them on board with me to this date. I absolutely love the value and the use of that rod and reel setup. Another inexpensive fine crankbait rod reel combo, try the Bill Dance Quantum Combo. It's like 69 bucks at Bass Pro Shop. But having a handful of these inexpensive but halfway decent rods will get you going into the next phase of the crankbaiting. So, let's say you got your nine lures to fish your three different depths, your deep, your medium, and your shallow. Go on, get. Go out and start collecting a few crankbait rods right now. And uh, I'll see you back here in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is also sponsored by American Tackle Company. You can find all their great rod building products, terminal tackle and lures, Bushido line, Bushido crankbaits, blanks, grips and handles, and of course, the six-time fishing industry award-winning product, the Microwave Guides. Check them out at americantackleanglerproducts.com. Well, rock and roll. Those rods are really nice. Good job. You've gone out. You've collected shallow water cranking sticks. You've got maybe three wonderful seven foot, maybe seven foot two, seven foot four inch rods there. Mediums, fast action tips. 
Now your real speed and how fast you crank that lure in, I have found personally, it's not as important as other things we're gonna be doing with those crankbaits. But when you're first looking for reels and you're like, what do I get? Get something that's got that six or a seven up there on the gear ratio. And that's usually printed on the side of the reel. Now there's a lot of intense stuff about gear ratios and you can your head will go spinning just as fast as the handle trying to figure all that stuff out. A lot of YouTube video information out there on it. But look for right now, look for the six or seven up there. We'll explain that stuff even later when I even learn more about it myself. But if you know already what that stuff means, then that's even better. Now, outfit every single one of those reels with a 12-pound line. No more, no less. 12 pounds. It can be mono, they can be fluorocarbon, it doesn't matter. You can buy a 300-yard spool of that stuff and you put 40 or 50 yards of line on each one of them. We're only going to be casting 20 or 30 yards in the shallow cranking type of stuff. We're keeping it nice and tight. We're going to change that line as soon as we notice a decline in its performance. It starts getting a little brittle. It, it starts to bird nest up a lot. Now, I use a product called Real Magic. I'm not sponsored by Real Magic, but I probably should be. It works great in the moment. However, I'm not sure exactly what it does if it's set on the line for a couple days. So I like to rinse off my reels and stuff when I get off the water with some really fresh water that I just hose onto them. It, it seems like it dries it out just a little bit prematurely if I don't do that. But that could be the, the lake or the pond water or the river water itself that's doing that. Real magic works great in reducing the line memory and uh, reducing the bird nesting. It also helps increases the casting and that improves some accuracy and accurate cast. Short ones, long ones, long ones, short ones, short one, long ones. We're going to be doing lots of these and creating a rhythm in this shallow crankbait fishing and if you can my preference is the American Tackles Bushido 12 pound fluorocarbon fluorocarbon over mono for roughness and toughness it's a lot more abrasion resistant but also light enough to allow the crankbait to just work its magic so I really love the Bushido 12 pound fluorocarbon you can find that on americantackleanglerproducts.com you're, you are raking that line over a bunch of stuff down there. Mean and nasty stuff. However, mono works well if you change the line like I do. Also, that 12-pound line allows the knot tying to go a little bit easier. And during all of this crankbait commitment, you will be retying a lot of lures. But it's a line that's still strong enough to get you and that lure through the mean and nasty and out of the junk. Because in there, you're going to root out those big bass. I mean, if you want to catch a lot of bass, a lot of bass, fish with a Ned Rig. But if you want to catch really big bass, fish with a crankbait. Yep.
But certainly one can learn things even from a fool. Here at John Graves Kayak Fishing, we're intended for really the beginning and the moderate level angler. You know, the pros out there may be able to pick something up like, well, I won't ever do that. I go out here, I play, I kick around, I test things, I experiment, I learn, I share it with you, you learn. And really from a ground roots level, we began our journey in kayak bass fishing. And that's what the plan is here. So uh, let's all share that stuff and let's get better together. So you got three poles. I like three poles because it allows me to tie up each one of those poles with a specific shallow crankbait. Okay, and that's what we're committed to, shallow crankbait fishing right now. Okay, we're going out there right now to do nothing but hammer shallow crankbaits. We're not going to all of a sudden get burnt out 15 minutes later and switch out to jigs. Maybe go to a Texas rig or something like that. No, we're going to stick to our shallow crankbaits. Again, it's a commitment. I like three because I have, again, each one of them outfitted with like a crawl pattern chartreuse maybe a purple color and a tiger stripe or ripped maybe in a perch pattern maybe in a bluegill pattern but a real chartreuse got some purples in there some real dynamic colors and then I have the other pole rigged up with a natural shad maybe a chartreuse shad sometimes a sexy shad something like that each one of these lures are going to be used together to create that reaction strike. I like the 12 pound line because along with the medium rod at about a seven foot length, seven two foot length, seven four foot length with a fast action, that fluorocarbon, that 12 pound line just seems to be the magic ingredients to allow that shallow crankbait to grab structure and to pause for just a nanosecond longer. And folks, I don't know the stats on it, but I bet you more than 90% of my hookups come as a result of that shallow crankbait ripping up along a piece of wood structure or any type of structure and then getting stuck and pausing for just long enough when it pops free boom that reaction strikes happens and it's an it's an amazing it's an amazing fast hit so as we head to the shallows and we make our approach into the shallows most likely we're going to be passing some points and this usually isn't the place that you're thinking about shallow crankbait fishing but every point comes to a, a shallow part so why not just start there so you're going to start looking at all of the oddities what sticks out in front of you as you approach the shallows. Literally, you know, pardon the pun, what sticks out? Is there any sticks sticking up out of the water? Stumps, is there a swing set? Is there a car door, whatever? What is sticking up out of there? If you can see that, go directly to it. Even if you are, you know, 10, 20 feet up off the bank and you see that type of stuff, uh, you know, cause shallows can be a huge, huge uh, area. So always look for that structure. You know, our intent to hit the shallows and sticking to our plan. But again, when we get up to those points leading into those areas, 
bass need these staging shot, you know, uh, stops. Uh, they have to rest, they have to gather, they have to ambush food. Uh, they catch up on news and, you know, do their local betting on horse racing and stuff like that. In this area, I'm going to start off with a natural shatter bluegill shallow crank and sling it right across that point. Even though it's a shallow runner, like from about a foot to three foot shallow crankbait, I'm still going to throw that thing out where it's probably four, five, six feet deep. Now, just to every body of water I've ever been in has some type of shatter bluegill in it, right? So why not start off with a natural forage? Uh, and again, despite how muddy or murky it is, let's begin with that natural shad. It's kind of like going undercover, you might say, going incognito. Even if it's a silent lure with no rattles, bells, or whistles, fling that thing. Run it right across that point a couple times. Again, at a, where you think it might be four to six feet deep. And unless you have like side scanned imaging and know exactly what that point looks like when you're in the shallows like that, just imagine that every point you come up to has a transition of mud to sand to rocks to big rocks. It seems to me that always there's some type of structure down there, be it a tree, a sunken boat, water coolers, whatever it is. There always seems to be something right there. So hit those points. Why not when you're crossing them? You know, possibly a big log is washed up during an underwater current pushing that thing into the area uh, during a high uh, level of water uh, rising up. Now, if you feel that shallow crankbait is hitting structure at that four to six foot depth on that point, work that spot a few times. The idea was to rake that lure across anything, rock or structure at that depth. It's sort of like ringing the dinner bell. And you do this a few times, just bomb that thing like Normandy with the action of casting past the target zone and then run that lure back through it. Uh, and of course you need to feel something. If, if that fast action tip is talking to you, run that crank across there a few times. You're there to create reaction strike so go for it now within 10 cast or so 20 cast I usually toss a lure about 20 times but I'm I'm pretty accurate at this point and I, I fling them really quick it's just like tossing baseballs with a buddy nice smooth rhythm very relaxed I switch up the performance a little bit within those 20 casts maybe I pause for a moment maybe I kick in the real speed a little bit like that maybe I twitch the rod tip a little bit all these different types of things and of course always try to remember what you just did the last time if you do get a strike on that thing because that's what they're reacting to if nothing hits that crankbait if you're not dragging that lip of that crankbait across to anything you're wasting your time and you're wasting that lures time put it down grab the crawl okay so you just started off with a shad sexy shad maybe a natural bluegill and something like that maybe because the muddy water like we do have here in southwestern ohio now you pick up a maybe a little red crawl maybe even a natural crawl a kentucky crawl that's got a dark green back on it possibly and you just repeat everything that you just did even though it seems like there's nothing that just bit down there do it again 
it seems like now that 90% of, of strikes that you get is during that pause, right? Well, the other 10% seems to be right at the moment you switch up a color. So I'll grab that other rod and reel that's outfitted with a red crawl, natural crawl, maybe a bone crawl, whatever it is, toss it. Cast out again past those target zones and work your way into that point, eventually up to the one foot depth. You know, you do this like uh, casting out in the directions of like an hour hand on the clock. Say you're, uh, the bank is on your starboard side, your right side. You cast out at say 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, high noon, which would be right in front of you. And then work your way into the bank at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, up to 4, four or 5 o'clock if you can do that. It's like fanning the lure up into the shallows. Every single piece of wood, it doesn't matter, large or small, run those square bill shallow crankbaits right over them. And you have to commit to losing these things. You have to. You have to toss into the junk. Because that's where the big fish are. <laughs> They're in there. Now, if the crawl is not creating a reaction strike, grab the chartreuse and repeat all over again. Just keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. Now, rather quickly, you can cover a prescribed area with this pattern. It quickly helps you to identify where they uh, you know, might be most comfortable in their depth and what they may need served up at the buffet table for the moment. So, you know, key, key word there is moment, moment. You know, a go-to lure one hour ago may not find a bass with a search warrant the next hour. So, you know, if your go-to absolutely stops producing for you, Pick up another one. Do it all over again. If the fish are not giving you anything within 10 minutes or so, keep moving. Most important. You must be wherever you are at whatever depth. And you must feel structure when you are cranking those shallow crankbaits. I'll be right back and we'll talk about some wood in a moment. Wood is good. I'm currently sitting here behind the uh, tack room the barn here at the Rock and Star Ranch and we have the western sunset. It's just the sun feels so good. It's about 68 degrees right now here in southwestern Ohio. Beautiful blue sky with a slight wind blowing. And the ponies are up there on the western paddock and right behind them is our neighbor's flagpole with the Texas flag, Texas state flag right up there. And it just makes for a great, beautiful, awesome, very 
Americana sunset every day right there I love looking at that today's a really nice day it was a great day out of Cowan we had the uh, Cincinnati kayak uh, fishing 2020 kayak fishing uh, tournament out of Cowan Lake and uh, 39 anglers that's pretty good you know pretty good I think when I first started hanging out there was about 20 to 30 now we're getting up there close to 40 on average uh, which is really neat 91 fish submitted so the next time someone says man there's no fish in Cowan Lake well <laughs> yeah there is there was 91 of them caught today and uh Boy, just, you know, it goes to show you how lethal a kayak can be and the ability to be able to get back there in some of the really tight, shallow stuff to go in there and hunt those fish out. Big bass winner today was Clint Carnahan, who clocked in a big 18.75-inch fish. Now, anytime you get close to a 19-inch fish, 18, 19-inch fish, there, Cowan Lake, you're like, okay, I might be in the money for big bass. So uh, just under 19 inches. Good job, Clint. And that uh, 18 and three-quarter inch largemouth bass went on to help him place first today with a total of 50.25 inches of fish. That's only three fish. 50 0.25 inches of fish. And uh, second place goes out to the patent of kayak bass fishing, Mr. Bert Goodhouse Jr. 49 inches of fish. Think about that. You're just one and one quarter inch of fish away from taking first place. And the really fun thing they do with the uh, tournament app of Tourney X as they uh, shut that thing down about two hours prior to the finish of the tournament. So it's a teaser. You know, you really do not know who is uh, in the money there. Uh, you can think you got it, and all of a sudden someone pulls out some big old holy molies right there, you know, in the last 30 minutes. Because you need at least a good five minutes of tournament left to catch a fish submit the fish to the leaderboard you know you need a good five minutes you know anything under five minutes you're really running quick <laughs> it's happened i've had it happen one time i had three minutes left in a tournament oh my lord you're talking about shaking wow that's the fastest three minutes of my life but it, now if i know Knowing what I do know now, I can chill, get it done in three minutes, but you don't want to cut it that close, that's for sure. Third place, Mr. Chris Howe. Good job, Chris. 48.75 inches of fish. Look at that. He was just one quarter inch away from tying Bert. It's amazing how close it can be. It drives you nuts. And then Mr. Brad the Sticks Hicks taking fourth place with 48.25 inches of fish, just a half inch 
official way. So good job, Brad, Chris, Bert, and Clint. Good job, you guys. The uh, rest of the uh, um, results will be up, and I'll um, shout those out later on. But good job, Cincinnati Kayak Fishing, and great job, Strictly Sail, for another wonderful event. It was packed today at Cowan. I mean, there were 39 of us competing in a tournament there. I bet you there was another 39 recreational kayakers. I bet you there was 12 canoes. I bet you there were 14 pontoon boats. And today, being Sunday, there. Again, you can show up at Cowan early in the morning, and it's freakishly smooth. It's like glass. Until about 10.30 in the morning. And then it just starts picking up wind a little bit. By 12 o'clock, 17 mile an hour gust. Doesn't matter. What kind of weather you're having. <laughs> Wherever you're from. There's about 17 mile an hour gust up there at Cowan. That's why it's great for sailing. And on Sunday they have sailing sailboat races. You know, Little J24s, little sunfish sailboats. I think that's what they're called. But big ones, some small ones. All out there in the middle. And if you're uh, crazy enough to run that gauntlet. You know, sometimes you got to get back to the dock. You got to go right through the middle of that stuff. And it's like, oh boy, but a lot of pressure on Cowan Lake today. So good job at really, you know, uh, creating some uh, strikes in those uh, fish. I'm sure they were wore out, stuff just bombing them. So uh, good job there. Mr. Chad Turner, great job to you. I am totally convinced that you need to uh, wrap your kayak with underway with Ted McKay. Okay, we spoke about that a little bit at the dock today. And I think that's, uh, you're on your way with that one right there. Mr. Chad Turner's a, uh, just one of those, uh, you know, you could see him walking down the middle of Sesame Street. That just super merry, happy-go-lucky mailman. Big smile on his face, and he's delivering the mail, and he's happy. That's how I met him. In fact, I looked out and I said, look at that guy. He's got a pep in his step. He's in shape. Chad was listening to some podcasts long before I started my podcast, in fact. He was listening to some podcasts, had his headphones on, you know, and he's just rocking door to door. We had noticed the KBF sticker on the back of my truck. So we started talking. And uh, I said, man, you, you need to do some tournament fishing. And uh, that kind of, wow, really? You just see his eyes. Uh, Check it out, do this, do that. I think I had just started. In fact, I did. I just started my podcast. And I had mentioned on there the radio announcer, Ted McKay. And his phrase was, we're underway with Ted McKay. And so I said that in a podcast, and unbeknownst to me, Chad Turner 
Deer Park's finest mailman, is grandson of Mr. Ted McKay. I mean, you can't make that up. And he had listened to one of my podcasts, and it was just one of those moments. But Chad has has gone on to become a fabulous, fabulous kayak bass fishing angler. And he's always up there catching fish. So today I committed to the crankbaits, uh, but I'm here to tell you right now, honestly, it didn't happen. Uh, I did catch two fish. Neither one of them turned me into a superstar. I think I'm in, I didn't even look at the leaderboard. I think I'm in like 21st place. That would be my guess somewhere there. I don't even think I made top 20. I'll let you know when the leaderboard exposes just how bad I did today. I'll tell you how bad I did today. When you send a picture of your fish that you caught home and the comment is, he's cute, you're not going to be winning any tournament with cute fish. So, the crankbaits did deliver a couple cute fish for me today. As much as I believe in them. But to be honest with you, the crankbaits didn't waste my time. I wasted their time today. I wasn't ready for what really was making them bite today. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for the transition I didn't even have it in my wheelhouse of thought. I'm stocked and rocked and ready to go with the one to three foot level. Shallow crankbait, here I go. But Cowan is a pretty difficult shallow crankbait. That one to three foot ledge right there is protected and there's not a lot of it. It does have some depth to it. There are some big shallows, extensive two-foot areas. But it's hard to work that shallow bait or shallow crankbait. And and I dredged up more moss today. (laughs) Everything, all the moss that was on the wood. You're working the wood and you're just pulling off moss. Now, according to my cyber fishing rod sensor which then downloads all the information to the app I tossed a lure over 700 times today only caught two bass one saw guy imagine that one saw guy he looked delicious too nice meaty fish that's only second one in my life I've ever caught some teeth on him. It's like, man, I hooked up with him and then all of a sudden he ran into a, a limb. I got stuck in the limb. Started pulling the limb up and I thought, oh, that's all I got another limb, you know. Sometimes that feels like a bite when you're hitting a shallow crankbait. No, there's a fish attached to it. That's not a bass, unfortunately, because he was probably 16, 17 inches. Nice, good size saw guy. But uh, quite prehistoric looking fish delicious nonetheless 
But I did not have that three to seven foot range covered with my crankbaits. I got a few of them and the few that I had is what triggered some bites down there. I could feel bites. I could feel them. They were down there. You could see them on the electronics. Even my Garmin Striker 4 was showing me where they are. But I only have like three or four of them. And I warm out. KVD, you know, the thin crankbaits. Got that nice, good, big bill on it. Takes down to about six, seven feet, something like that. I just could grind it down there deep enough. And if you're not touching things down there with your crankbait, if you don't feel it, you're wasting the crankbait's time. And I wasted a lot of crankbait time today. Switched over to the Ned Rig. A few different colors adjustments nothing there were moments at Cowan Lake today that the wind just settled back there in the flats <sighs> just didn't work I even whipped out the bubble gum they said that's very popular there at Cowan Lake the bubble gum TRD I'm not sure but looking at them again I think they've faded out a little bit in the sun can they do that have you had yours do that before? That didn't produce anything. Toss some spinner baits on there. I got some spinner baits, a few of them, but you know what? Not my go-to lure. I haven't caught many fish on spinner baits. The five years that I've been doing this, just man, help me out with the spinner baits, will you? Let me know. What's your what's your go-to spinner bait? How do you like to toss that thing? Help me. I tossed a few of them today. <clears throat> All of them are Strike King. Spinner baits. Went back to the square bills. Switched it up. Went to American Tackle. Bushido's. Got a few of those. Beautiful colors. Beautiful. Even the old Ghost Gill. It's all busted up. I said, come on, buddy. You can do it. Nothing. I should have followed Chad to the pad. Lily pads. It's what's different in, in Cowan Lake. They're very similar to the, the, the side of Cowan Lake, it's very similar to Stone Lake Lake. But Cowan Lake dips down, man. It gets deep. And you can find a lot of those ledges out there. So I need to learn that. It's a much bigger lake than Stone Lake, too. But it also has the lily pads. And man, I haven't got all the info on where they were snagging them out of, but certainly Mr. Chad Turner, uh, to which uh, I'm going to dedicate this episode to <laughs> because it was good to see you at the dock. Crankbaits don't always work. Today's a good example. If I would have had those mid crankbaits. I tried some deepers. I got some deep balsas, man, that grind down there 12 foot deep. You can feel it. Oh, man, it feels so good. I could do that all day, but all day today, nothing was producing. I did the green tomato color. Some chartreuse shad, sexy shad. I did a balsa uh, gold color 
all deep diving crankbaits. Nothing was happening down there. I feel it was just all in that mid-range, and I just didn't have it. Didn't have the crankbaits I needed. So there you go. Something that even I have to work on as much as I love crankbaits. I can't wait to get back to Stone Lake to toss some more. <laughs> Nothing. I just, oh, I, I just, every, and you have to, you have to keep your attitude up. You have to be cheerful about it. You have to just imagine there is a fish in every one of those little pieces of structure. And you know what? There is. But those fish weren't enjoying what I was tossing at them today. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to John Graves Kayak Fishing here on Anchor FM. I really do appreciate it. Get out there. Toss those crankbaits. Get you some shallows. Get you some mids. Get you some deeps. Commit to them. Spend a whole weekend tossing nothing but crankbaits. And once you really start feeling it down there, you have to feel it. Regardless, you got to feel it. Bust those lips up on those crankbaits rake them and take them you have to do that it's probably the biggest and probably yeah, probably the biggest lesson learned of tossing the crankbaits that if I'm not feeling it down there I'm wasting that lure's time and today I wasn't feeling it down there couldn't get to it but uh, wow what a great day it is good job Chad Good job, uh, everybody else there. Clint, great job taking first place in Big Bass all at the same time, man. You know, ooh, mama's going to get a new pair of shoes. And a good job to everybody else out there, all 39 anglers. And thank you very much, Cincinnati Kayak Fishing, for uh, for uh, sponsoring that one. That was a lot of fun. Folks, be safe. Get out there. Have some fun. Try out the crankbaits. You're going to love them if you haven't committed to them. I've got a lot of work to do, man. I need to start flipping some jigs. I need to start feeling some of that. Again, I love the crankbaits, but again, they don't always, always work. Most often they do. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody. So long. That was perfect timing. Gwen. (laughs) are you ready to go inside come on let's go